Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Zafonga Davies, treble winner, and you're listening to Ranks FC. Hello and welcome to Ranks FC. It's going to take me some time to get used to that. This is our first full episode and we thought we'd bring you something special to mark the occasion. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today and I'm joined by the rank god, Mr. Sam Ty. Sam, how are you? Yes, mate, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just so everyone knows, Jack got the name of the podcast wrong twice before we start. This is the third take. Uh, he's, he's stuck in his old ways, but it will take him a little while. But don't worry, I'm here to set him straight whenever he makes an error. Absolutely. And and this feed is going to take over from where BL Football Ranks left off. And for those of you who are used to our release dates, this one's probably going to look a little bit weird, but we are going to be releasing on a Wednesday here from now on. But we had an exclusive interview with Leeds United's Stuart Dallas, and we thought, why not? Why not open the feed with something special? It was, it was a lot of fun to do, wasn't it, Sam? And he's just such a nice geezer. Yeah, it was lovely. Uh, absolutely lovely. I mean, it's actually quite amusing to listen to him and, and to speak to him because just before, just before we spoke to Stuart, I'd just been watching a Michael McIntyre comedy sketch and he suggested that the one accent in the world that could probably be binned and no one would miss it would be the Northern Irish accent, which I vehemently disagreed with. And then speaking to Stu only reinforced the fact that I love the Northern Irish accent. And that was... Like we talked to Stu about all sorts of stuff, like important things, Bielsa, football, Erling Haaland. The one thing I came away thinking was, isn't that just a wonderful twang, eh? I, well, it's, it's one of those ones where I think there's an old comedy sketch. It was like anything you say in a Northern Irish accent sounds dour and anything you say in a Republic of Ireland accent sounds excited. So you could be like, oh, I've killed my parents and family in a Republic accent. Everyone be like, ah. Oh. Or you could say, I've won the lottery in a Northern Irish accent. Everyone be like, oh, I'm sorry about that. And it's, a, <laughs> it's just one of those weird kind of idioms and trajectories that, that seems to stick its path. But it was such a delight. And I mean, just before we get onto it, I suppose it's worth us discussing Leeds as a whole and, and Leeds this season because it's been, you know, quite a start to, to life in the Premier League. And I'd be reticent. I'd be very upset if we didn't discuss uh, Bielsa's start, you know, to life in the top flight. Yeah, we have to discuss it because I dressed for the occasion. Like I've, I've, I've worn my Bielsa T-shirt. So like we, nice. have, we have to, like, what else would I wear for this occasion? We have to give it 10 minutes of thought. I mean, Leeds have been, have been one of these stories of the early Premier League season, for sure. I mean, there have been a couple of shocks, you know, Manchester United's leaky defence, Liverpool conceding seven goals, uh, Chelsea not quite clicking, Aston Villa flying up the table, Everton top of the league with four wins from four, like all sorts of stuff is going on. So you're really vying for a, for a spot here in the narrative. But Leeds United... Th- they are just class, man. They're just box office. They're always relevant, always exciting, always fun. And the seven points they've managed to get from their game so far, I mean, they gave Liverpool a real fright on the opening weekend, didn't they? Lost 4-3. Then they beat Fulham 4-3. Then they beat Sheffield United and drew Man City. I mean, Liverpool, Fulham, Sheffield United, Man City. Those are tough games. Seven points from that. That's three, impressive. Three or four of them are tough from, from a Fulham <laughs> fan. Um, it's, it's one of those ones where after the first two games, I was... I'm deeply concerned 
for Leeds United. And, and I think this is a, a fair point to make that conceding seven goals, even if you're scoring seven goals, is incredibly box office, as you say. But it's also not a particularly sustainable way to, to continue a campaign. And especially if you play at Bielsa's break, breakneck speed and you look at the fact that Aside from last year, where there was a huge gap that Bielsa's teams have tended to tail off towards the end of seasons, you do worry about them if they're going to be that open. But the last two games have assuaged that a little bit. There's something about those first two games where they were so, so open in the middle and teams were cutting through them at will. And, and let's be honest, as a Fulham fan, Fulham haven't been very good this season. And even Fulham seemed to be cutting through them at will at points. And, and that worried me because I was like, well, if you can't defend against Fulham, then who are you going to be defending against? And... The last two games, however, have slightly assuaged that. I mean, the, the Man City game was a bit of a madness and, you know, both teams should have scored and, and probably should have scored far more goals than they actually did. But it has kind of stemmed a little bit, the tide. I mean, look, both the Sheffield United and Man City games were played on a knife edge. So, yeah, you can your concerns can be a little bit assuaged by the defensive stuff. But, like, these were close games. These were really genuinely exciting edge-of-your-seat stuff, which is still not... You know, particularly stable or, or, or comforting to, to look at from, I guess, from a Leeds United defensive perspective. But the Sheffield United game was just like high, it was high level stuff. Like the combination play, the speed at which those two teams combined and played was incredible. I know it was only one nil and maybe people looked at that as a bit of a boring game, but man, some of the play and it got settled very late on in Leeds's favour. Man City... Mate, both teams just abandoned the midfield. There was like a 30-yard hole in the middle of the pitch where no one was stood, and they just went end to end. They just went at each other. So in all of the games that Leeds United have played so far this season, there have been some defensive concerns. But ultimately, they play, as you say, at breakneck pace under Bielsa. They play expansive and attacking football. They tailor their attacking strategy per game to see what they can get out of certain opponents. And... You know, a lot of the time when you say, oh, you know, you've left the midfield empty or you're so defensively porous, a lot of the time that can be a criticism. And that's fair. But under Bielsa, there's always a, a rhyme and a reason to it. And obviously, it, it, it does create these games that are held to Skelter. But ultimately, I think if the midfield is empty, it's because he's decided that the midfield shall be empty on that day. There's a reason for it. Like, there's, there's logic to it. And, man, we're going to speak to Stuart Dallas very shortly about... Bielsa being called El Loco, you know, his crazy tactics and things like that. But this is a hallmark of, of, of his sides and they are generally successful. And the seven points from the four games so far was, will attest to that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's risk and reward, isn't it? And, yeah. and that's exactly how Bielsa played. In our predictions for the season episode, I said that Leeds would be 10th at Christmas and would finish the season 15th. And nothing that I've seen has changed my mind on either of those things. I think the Leeds, again, I said would fly out the blocks and everyone was like, oh, they've got a really difficult start. But uh, I figured this would happen. And ultimately, I think it's just sad that we haven't been able to see Ellen Road in full swing. And, you know, I've seen some of the, the best of Ellen Road when, when Fulham have been there and, and been in the away and, and some of the worst. And, you know, and you see every stadium has its ups and downs, but full and rocking, there are very few places like it in the world. And I think it's a shame that the Premier League hasn't been able to see that it, you know, since their return after such a long stay away from the top flight. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, we talk about Ellen Road a lot on this podcast and Dean is often the one extolling it, it, its, its virtues. And you're sad about that. And, and I get it. I, what I'm looking forward to really is um, 
is the fact that we actually haven't seen probably two or three Leeds players that they've signed, you know, in full flow. Like they, they signed Rodrigo in the summer, who's a, a prime age, 29-year-old Spanish international forward. He's very, very good. Uh, you know, one, one dodge a year last year at Valencia aside, but I'm not holding that over anyone's head. Rodrigo to come into this team full-time. We've got Diego Llorente they've signed from Real Sociedad. They signed Rafinha on deadline day from Ren. Like, That's a good little up, signing, that Rafinha, isn't some, it? And they've picked up some really good players. So what we're seeing so far is exciting. I think it only gets better. And you know some of these issues with Leeds defensively that we, we cite, you've got to remember that I don't want to dig the guy out in, specifically because it will get better. But you know someone like Robin Koch, who's, who's come in at centre-back, has made two or three errors really basically. rash really rash decisions is that it's the decision to go flying in and look there was a lot of criticism about whether the ch- challenge on joe bryan in the fulham game was a penalty or not but the fact that he's gone flying in halfway across the box it almost rendered it irrelevant for me it was like why have you done that it's not even if you haven't clipped him it's a ridiculous challenge to go and make but yeah. there are signs that he might turn and you know the fact that he's a german international and has played you know at, at the top level does suggest that this will improve for him. And he, he does look like there are moments where you're like, oh, he's a very good player. And then there are moments where like, you've just completely lost your head. A little bit Diego Carlos. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I was thinking more like, um, the one that reminds me of is, remember Alpi? Remember him, the Turkish centre-back? Oh my goodness me. He used to go crazy. 89 spectacular minutes and then one minute where it just went completely nuts. But uh, look, he's adapting to a new league. Like this, it's it's... It's nothing to be too concerned about long-term. The talent is there. Llorente is excellent as well. So, I mean, as I say, a lot a lot of these issues that Leeds have experienced defensively over the first four games, like I think they'll probably tie themselves up as the players start to adapt and players start to make fewer errors, basically. So there is obviously that element of every game is on a knife edge and they're sort of digging their own grave. But can you see it improving? Well, yeah, absolutely. So I'm not concerned about them at all. You had them in 10th. The preseason predictions, I had them in about 12th or 13th or something like that. Tenth, no, 10th Man- till Christmas, then 15th tenth, finish. Sorry. And I, I had them finishing slightly slightly above that. I think they'll be okay. I mean, we all, we all everyone talks about Bielsa burnout. I mean, it happened in the championship to an extent. It didn't happen last year, but they did get given a three-month break from March, didn't they? So you're not going to burn out if that happens. So again, that's one to watch. I think that's probably slightly overplayed, um, but obviously something you need to be aware of. And overall, you know, Dean, the man conspicuous by his absence in this podcast, by the okay. way, as we extol the virtues of Leeds United, uh, although he wasn't able to join us for this one. You know, Dean is convinced that it's going to go wrong at some point for Leeds. And you and I don't really agree with that. But then if there is, football is, is crazy and if there is a team where this goes south for, it probably is a team like Leeds under the management of someone like Bielsa, isn't it? That's the crazy things happen to these, these, type of, these kind of teams. Well, I mean, El Loco being El Loco. Let's uh, let's get the inside view on it then from, from Stuart Dallas. And he joined us to talk about a variety of things, but you were most interested in his beard. I was, yeah. I had... I had I had uh, what a full a full two campaigns of, of Bielsa at Leeds to to pick from uh, the pain of the of the season they did not get promoted the redemption of of last season filming a documentary during a pandemic meeting Erling Haaland swapping shirts with him and what did I pick to really focus on the guy's facial hair I don't know what that says about me but it is what it is and here's the interview. <laughs> Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. We 
we are delighted to be joined by Northern Ireland and Leeds United stalwart and finally a Premier League player, Mr. Stuart Dallas. Stuart, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? No problem. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. All good. You? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Um, obviously, documentary coming out very, very shortly and, and Sam is pretty much obsessed. So I'm going to check over to him and, uh, and let him roll through it. I mean, by the time this goes out, the documentary will be out. Uh, and I have had a look at it. And I'm not just saying it because you're here, Stu, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it, was, I thought it was great. There's something about it being two episodes long where it just packs all the action and it was really good. But um, the first question is, have, have you seen it back? Have you watched it? Yeah, I've seen... Uh, I haven't watched it all completely, if I'm being honest. Uh, these, these next two or these last two episodes I've seen... Uh, yeah, but... Even the first six, I didn't watch all together. If I'm being honest with you, I didn't. <laughs> the first what? six are too painful. <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't nice, and it just got to the point where I was like, right, I'm not taking any more of this. I'm not watching it. I mean, look, in, the, in the, these two episodes that have just come out, you are, you're featuring right at the start. You're talking about the pain of last year. You're saying, look, the fans might think we just forget it, but we don't. You say it was terrible. You know, you said that losing last year was a blessing in disguise. It gave you extra motivation. Well, that clearly panned out quite nicely, right? Because you made it. Yeah, well, obviously, looking back now, I can, I can say it was a blessing in disguise. Uh, then it didn't feel like that at the time when, when, when uh, the world just stopped and everything came crumbling down around us. It was horrible. It wasn't nice. And I think that's probably why I haven't watched it back because I know, I know what it was like. And... Uh, I just don't want to. I might. I actually might watch it back now when I'm in the hotel. Some night I might watch it back and think, I know the, I know the end, the end. Of this. But uh, yeah, it's uh, these these last two episodes are brilliant. They're very well put together, and uh, you know the guys deserve a lot of credit for that 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 have put it together. And uh, it's a it's a beautiful story with an even more beautiful ending. How does it feel watching your interviews back? Like just watching yourself answering these questions? Cringy. <laughs> I hate watching myself doing interviews, but uh, yeah, it's it's. I watched it last night with my with my wife, and she actually cried. Uh, not at not at me talking, but <laughs> <laughs> just at the end, just just everything. Uh, it was hard to take everything in, obviously, when it happened because we were locked away from the fans and weren't able to enjoy it properly uh you know with the people who's been there through thick and thin and and uh watching it back last night uh it was it was nice it was yeah it was it as i say she cried i didn't cry but uh i cried when it happened <laughs> you've already had that crying experience yeah, i mean you touched it. on it there but what's it like filming this kind of thing through a, a global pandemic. I mean, we've talked to people about what it was like playing and the whole thing being weird, but with the cameras there adds a, a kind of extra element to, to the fact that everything's going on in this backdrop of, you know, chaos in, in, the, in the world. Yeah, it was, you know what, when, whenever I see the, the, the episodes and I see the, the camera above Leeds City Centre and there's no traffic or nothing, I'm just thinking, wow, like, when the pandemic was going on and we were working from home and that, it was it was kind of just it wasn't normal. But for me, it was you know I was getting I was keeping the same routine and just getting up in the morning and and going and doing my my running like I was coming to training, and uh, you know coming home and being with the kids and that. So for me, the only thing that really changed was not being able to take the kids out, uh, you know, to the park or or something like that or uh, to the restaurant. 
So for me, I just try to keep normality. But when I when I look back at it now, and you know the drones up in the air, whatever's taking the picture shots and and the city centre, there's nobody in it. It's just weird. But in terms of like the cameras not being being here with us, it was obviously they were here a lot more last year when when uh, you know when they wanted it to end well, but it didn't. So they had to come back and do these two these two uh, episodes. But uh, yeah, it's nice. It's something that we'll be able to watch in in years to come, and our kids will be able to, and our grandkids and whoever else, and uh, it'll be nice to to watch back then. There's a couple of, of themes that run through the two episodes. Uh, I'm going to ask you about two of them. One serious, one not so serious. And the first one is, your beard is perfect all season. No. How, do you, how do you do it? It's not... I, if, I, if I mention my barber's name, he, he, he uh, might get a few haircuts. Yeah. You'd be, be charged yeah. a commission on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not perfect. It took me a long time to grow this. Yeah, how long? It took me... I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really one for like looking after too well. But uh, even well, when you're being like covered in champagne, it still looks perfect, dude. You're you're doing yourself a disservice. It's brilliant. Nah. Uh, yeah, it took me a long time to grow it. I just I just stuck it out. It used to be all patchy and that. So, have you ever seen me without a beard? I can't think. Not since think the, Brentford, of it. No, the uh, Brentford days, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go back to that. Although I look, look very young. Whenever I'm getting a bit older, I might have to take it off. Yeah, exactly. It'd be, a, it'd be yeah. one to, to drop off it at 35 and, and drop back into the early 30s role. Yeah. Exactly. One of the other themes, too, is uh, the more serious one is this. There's like a consistent rhetoric uh, through, you know, from the Leeds fan base. This is from the fans, to be clear. And it's lasted about 16 years. It's the fact that Leeds have continually kind of failed to achieve their target and get back into the Premier League for so long. You've managed it now. But for a long time, Leeds United did not. And when you were flying high and then a global pandemic strikes, there's, a, there's fans interviewed in this documentary and they're saying, it's the most Leeds thing that can ever happen. Classic Leeds, as Leeds as it gets. Obviously, you're sheltered a little bit from that. But is this the kind of thing that kind of, it can't help but sink into the psyche of the club a little bit and, and, and affects, affects the players maybe more the season before than this year? Yeah, it, obviously... Uh... When this happened, when when the season stopped, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, you know, we didn't know whether the, it was going to be stopped for one game, two games. Uh, nobody knew, and we just had to keep uh, keep keep ourselves fit, keep training, and so that whenever whenever it restarted, that we'd be ready. And then obviously you hear stories. Uh, you know, you listen to the news, and for all our sins, and you know because they report. <laughs> Uh, not the most accurate things at times, and uh, yeah, you, you hear things that the league's going to be void, and and then obviously, as you say, the fans start to talk, saying this is the most Leeds thing ever, and uh, yeah, we just had to keep concentrated, had to keep in as best possible shape as pos- as as we could, and it would have been easy just you know on on days just to get up and think, oh, I can't be bothered doing that run today, and. It would have been easy just to sack it off because nobody was watching you. Nobody would have knew if you'd done it or not. And for us, as you know, as professionals, it uh, we had to continue to to do it uh, because we knew when when if the league did start back up, we needed to be in as good a possible shape as as we could to be one step ahead of our opponents. And uh, you know, obviously, whenever it did start up again, we were we were able to do that and uh, finished it really well. 
something you say, um, you know, oh, you could easily just not go for that run this morning. I've been saying that for six months, actually, and I've managed to pull through on that. So, uh, so well done for you for getting out for a couple. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would have been easy just to, just to forget about it and, and, and not do it. But uh, as a group of players, we took it upon ourselves till, till uh, you know, we were always in the, in the WhatsApps and group chats and stuff saying that, you know, we, we need to do it now so that whenever we come back, we're, we're in good shape. And um, to be fair, uh, you know, we trusted the, the fitness guys here, the, the staff that we have, we trusted them until that whatever they were giving us was, was, the right, uh, was the right balance and was the right thing to do. And uh, I think that showed in the end. I mean, it, it seems like a, a natural point to bounce that onto to Marcelo Bielsa and to what he's brought to the club. And there's all these stories always about, you know, you don't get away with missing with missing runs or, or missing training when, when Marcelo's about because of the way that he sets the club up. But I mean, what's the, you know, what, what's the truth behind it? He seems, you know, you see in the documentary that he is, you know, quite a mild mannered, you know, a very nice man. And then he gets to game day and he's, sitting on a bucket screaming at everybody in sight and and I guess there's kind of a middle ground there as a player where you're seeing both sides of it but you know what's what's he like to work with yeah he's he's probably the best way to describe him is unique um you know, he's, he's different from anybody that that I've ever worked under uh I probably speak for all the lads when I say that uh you know he's as you say like you, you see in the documentaries at the end when we're having that, that Huddersfield beat West Brom and, and we're at the stadium and he, he comes and joins in in the moment and then the next day it's just as if nothing's happened uh, we just prepare for for Derby as if it's uh, as if we're going there to win the league and uh, obviously by the time we'd finished training we had been confirmed as champions because Brentford uh, lost away to Stoke but nothing changed he, he, it was as if he just flicked the switch and, and we were back prepared for the game so uh, I think it just shows that the, the type of man that he is. He he just he's a winner. He just wants to win, and he wants uh, he wants the best for everyone. He wants to get the best out of out of everybody, and he's a perfectionist uh, as well. You know, everything's got to be got to be perfect. And uh, as a group of players, we've bought into that since he first came to this club, and and uh, you know it has been it has been hard work, uh, but it's been enjoyable. It's been you know when when you get the rewards it's it's always enjoyable so you say uh, you call him a perfectionist there which is it's, it's perfect for my next question really which is there's all sorts of stuff on the internet about like little things that he's done his nickname is el loco in a in a good way like a crazy good guy is what ander herrera called him lots of little stories like he paces out the width and length of an opponent's pitch before every game to see exactly how long and how wide it is that he's drenched certain parts of a pitch when he's playing against Barcelona so that the tiki-taka style would be interrupted by wet bits and dry bits does any of this sound familiar or does that sound like a hoax to be honest I I haven't I don't know any like obviously uh, you read these things and that but I haven't seen him doing anything uh, you know strange like that Uh, you do see him pacing up and down on, on the training pitch and, and making sure everything's, you know, every cone's perfect and stuff. But it's just the way he is. It's, uh, you know, I've, I've had other coaches sort of similar to that. You know, I look back to Uwe Rossler, uh, you know, he was the same. You know, if one, he always wanted you to be in the, in the correct position and stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, whenever I read things like that, it is, it's, uh, I try to think, have I seen anything? But I haven't really noticed. I'm probably just uh, too busy. <laughs> 
Well, what's, like, what is the craziest thing you've seen him do? Is there anything? I mean, why does he sit on a bucket? Do you know the answer to that question? I haven't a clue, honestly. I don't know what what the story is behind that. Uh, I honestly don't know. Uh, the craziest thing, I don't know. He's just. I think we're just we're just used to him now. Uh, in these in these last couple of years, I don't want to say anything, and then and maybe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, Craziest thing for me is probably walking to training from from <laughs> from Wellerby. It's, um, it's a How brave, far? It's a brave old walk. Yeah, well, it's a fair walk. It's a couple of miles, like, but it's it's a uh, yeah. When it's pouring down rain, it's yeah. It's not the easiest walk in the world. Yeah, it's not the easiest walk, yeah, yeah. Now, what? Well, still, we're going to let you go in a minute. We couldn't let you go without talking about last last month's internationals and, and what happened. And obviously. For us, obviously, there was a, a real nice moment in Leeds-born Leeds fan Erling Haaland coming up to you at the end of it, your game against Norway and, and asking to swap shirts. Now, did he make a beeline for you? Is this something that happened or, or what's uh, the story here? I wouldn't say he made a beeline for me. It was just I seemed to be in that position of the pitch when, when the whistle was blue. But I think you can, you can tell by my reaction. I've just gone to sh- like shake hands with him and he's, he's asked me to swap shirts. Took me by surprise, to be honest. Uh, I started to laugh, which probably, or smile, which probably is not the best thing to do when you've just been beat 5-1. But uh, yeah, I thought he meant to do it in the, in, the, in the tunnel or in the dressing room. And then he was, he was just like, oh, we'll do it now. Uh, so he just swapped and then he leant into me and just said, like, <laughs> marching on together. Is that what he said? Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's going to send Leeds fans nuts, man. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, and then he just wished me all the best in, in the Premier League with Leeds. Uh, I think obviously there's that connection there with his dad and that. And uh, it would be nice someday to see him uh, playing at Allen Road. Uh, I think he's going to go on to massive things. He's going to be a superstar. Uh, you know, he's so good. He's so young. Um, and he's he's going to be he's he's going to be major. He's going to be a big big player. Uh, he already is, but in years to come, he's going to be huge and a global superstar, I think. And it was nice for me. I don't often swap shirts with people, but it was nice for me that he's given me a shirt. And uh, it's a bit big for me. I can't wear it, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wear it out. It's too big. I would love I'll, to nip to the shops wearing a like, but I can't. <laughs> I'll take it if he wants to. It might fit me. Yeah. It's like you're going to be Agent, Agent Stewart now. Every time there's ever a link, you're going to have Leeds fans all over your DMs asking you to, uh, to set, put in a good word. You know, you know, but, uh, yeah, they, I've had thousands of people ask me what he said, and, and uh, that's what he said. So. Well, there you have it. Fantastic. You heard it here first. But thank you so much, Stuart. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. No problem. Thank you. And best of luck with the season. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Well, thank you so much to Stuart Dallas for spending the time to, to talk to us about Bielsa and about the documentary and about the redemption season and, of course, about his beard. It was yeah, all sorts of fun, Sam. It was. Yeah, it was. I mean, look, as I said, right at the top of the interview, like I know we're kind of being inundated with, with football documentaries at the moment and um, they can feel a little bit dry after a time. This one is just two episodes long and it's just perfect. And I wonder if it maybe sets a little standard for us going forward um, to really shorten these things down. I'd say Sunderland Till I Die is probably exempt from that. But a lot of the Amazon documentaries, the City and the Spurs one, potentially just a couple of episodes too long. They really nailed it with this Leeds one. Two episodes, one half of a season. 
pandemic, other half of the season, celebrations at the end. We all know what happens. And uh, it was a really good watch. And it, it, it will instill some kind of goodwill as well to, towards Leeds if you didn't have any already, having watched them play for four games. Yeah, I think the goodwill factor is high up the charts in the Premier League at the moment. Um, and that's pretty much all from us today. Now, as I said at the top, you know, regular listeners will be potentially a little bit confused by this Thursday drop, but we will be returning to scheduled programming next week. However... If you have enjoyed this and you want more of us than just once a week, we have fired up the Patreon. We are moving to, will always be a free episode on a Wednesday as part of Ranks FC. But if you want more of us than more of Sam's insight and more of Dean's transfer knowledge and more of stories and games we, you need to watch and insights into players that you haven't kept an eye on and spot poems and poems and exclusive interviews and then our patreon is the place to be we are at patreon.com forward slash ranks fc and the links in this description it's the price of a pint a month you get eight extra episodes and a newsletter Uh, we think it's which pretty good value uh, especially these troubling times so thank you very much to Stuart dallas and and all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to sam ty yeah cheers buddy enjoyed it first uh first thursday drop last thursday drop i hope you've got me this morning, Jack clawed me out of bed to do this. I was not very happy, not very happy, but always a pleasure to talk to you, dude. Of course, of course. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, make sure you hit that subscribe button and share this with your friends, family, and leave us a review and a rating and all the things that everybody asks you to do. But we really do appreciate it, especially in our first weeks when we're growing. This has been Ranks FC. My name has been Jack Collins. We'll see you next week, Rank Squad. Peace. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. 